So what up, you guys? Welcome to LO Designs Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren. And on this podcast, we talk about the struggle of being a creative. So please tune in where we listen to several guest stars talk about their struggles as a creative and enjoy. Okay, so if you could just introduce yourself. Yeah. About you. Okay, my name is uh, Fidel Pena. I'm a graphic designer based in uh, Toronto in Canada. Uh, but I'm originally from El Salvador in Central America. Um, I came to Canada in 1990, so a um, long time ago. Um, um, and I was 17, so you can figure out by doing the math there how old I am, which is pretty old. Um, so I've been doing design now for quite a while now, um, about 25 years. Um, I graduated from George Brown College here in Toronto um, and started working uh, since then. Um, you know, my working career took me uh, to some cool studios here in Toronto, uh, concrete design. And then uh, in London, England, I worked at Pentagram for, for a bit there. Um, and then I came back, uh, worked at a couple of other small studios. And then uh, with an old colleague from Concrete, uh, we decided to open Underline. So we've had Underline now for 16 years now. Um, and um, it's a small studio. We're a studio of six people. Um, Claire, my business partner, and myself are both graphic designers, so we're both creative directors, and we both love designing, so we still want to be a part of it, and hence why we keep the studio small. Um, three designers, the two of us in addition, and a studio manager, that's all we are. And then we work with other people outside, like developers and writers and photographers to help us like build the team for bigger projects, but the core team is pretty much all of us being designers. Uh, so, you know, I... Surprisingly, I still love what I do after 25 years of uh, doing it, um, you know, and um, I still like doing the very things that we do, which is a lot of branding work, but also work for non-for-profits and digital work. So it's the variety of this stuff that we do that really keeps it interesting for me and, and, and makes me want to do it. Okay, that's good. I yeah. like that intro. Very, very descriptive, too, of like the transition from like... Um like corporate studios to creating your own studio like how was that transition like yeah the transition was you know you could think it was kind of smooth because I didn't think about opening my own studio when I was younger I really just wanted to work for really great designers um, and if my first job wasn't like that it was an in-house studio and I struggled a lot because I was really bored um, and I thought about leaving design at that time because it was really not what I I just wanted to work for great designers. So when I got the opportunity to work for great designers, my first job uh, doing that was at Concrete. I just loved it. So I wasn't thinking about starting a studio. I just wanted to learn from people, not learn just from creative directors, but also learn from other designers around me. I just felt everybody was doing amazing work. And then when I went to Pentagram, I learned even more. I, I, I say that half of what I know I learned in London, even more. Um, so it's not until I came back from London that I started feeling like I really wanted to do different things that I was being given. Uh, and that's how it kind of started, just that itch to want to kind of be more in charge of the projects I was doing and, and, and put more of my like aesthetics ideas in practice. And that's when uh, Claire surprisingly was feeling the same thing at the same time. So we started talking and it just was very organic. Then we decided, okay, let's do it. We had basically no clients, uh, nothing planned, no business plan, nothing at all. Um, but we did get one client that kind of gave us like a branding project. It wasn't an exciting project, but it was going to give us enough money to get started. So that's how we did it. And we started in like spare 
bedroom of my condo, uh, my condo apartment here in Toronto. And that's how we started. And that was 16 years ago. So, um, so it was very organic, the transition. It was never planned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And as far as being a creative, would you say, um, even when you were younger, were you, did you like always like art or were you just kind of just jumped into, you know, the world of creativity? Well, I grew up in El Salvador and uh, my, both my parents, my logical parents are engineers. So I didn't know much about art, but then my parents divorced and my mom uh, remarried to an artist. And that's when I discovered art. Uh, he's a painter uh, and he introduced me to art. And I just, first of all, I couldn't believe that someone could do that for a living. Like he could paint and sell his art and do, make a living. And I thought that's like the best deal ever because I saw my parents leaving for jobs that I thought were boring. And mm-hmm. here was this guy who was having fun at home painting what I like mm-hmm. kind of do. And he was getting paid for it. So, uh, and then he, you know, knew all the amazing artists in El Salvador at the time and writers. So I started falling in love with wanting to be creative. Uh, uh, you know, I wanted to paint. And then my stepdad said, well, you're not probably good enough to be a painter, but you could find other things. And when we moved to Canada, um, I, I was going to study architecture in El Salvador. It's the only thing I thought I could do. But then we had to leave El Salvador and move here to Canada. And here's where I discovered graphic design. And it was like, like, I could not believe people got paid for doing this. I found a magazine in design and I saw people doing posters and, and uh, CD covers at the time and all that. And I thought, I cannot believe people make a living doing this. So I just wanted to do it. Um, you know, and my mom was like disappointed at me. She didn't want to talk to me because she's an engineer and she probably <laughs> thought I messed it a lot by bringing the stepdad to his life and showing him art but I I, um, I just wanted to do it at that point and, and I went to design school and that was it I was I was hooked for life yes mm-hmm. yeah Dang, that's, yeah that sounds exciting though I <laughs> yeah. think I think I like listening to other people's stories about how they became um because I can because I can also relate to that too like with parents having different decisions like why do you want to do this like it's art and then having like getting inspired by different people that um that say like oh the art is amazing like and then the fact that you could still get paid it's like this is amazing like why isn't everyone you know doing yeah. this i know i feel the same way i i i, I realize other people like other things but i i always think why aren't why isn't everybody doing this it's so much fun yes mm-hmm. yes and also like with um like just with your studio and stuff like that because this is the thing I'm myself like created my own studio, but it's like I'm having a trouble with like finding clients mm-hmm. and I'm like always dealing with that issue. And I want but I, the thing is, like I've done the part where I've worked with like family members and like parents and other clients like that. But I'm kind of over that at this point. I want to work with like brands and certain businesses that are very specific yes. and not work for just someone that just lives down the street <laughs> i just gotta i like i have standards in my clientele now but um but yeah like do you have any like advice for like you know just starting your own studio and then like trying to find clients and stuff about that like because i'm thinking of like putting out certain branding projects to showcase that but mm-hmm. you have any advice in like that specific field <laughs> yes yeah, so when Having worked at other studios helped because I have built a decent portfolio of like relevant clients. Like we had done work for a big fashion firm here in Toronto and for a big arts organization. And we had designed books for important people. So that kind of helped us because when we started Underline, one of the first projects was doing a book for a very well-known chef here in Toronto. And we only got that job because 
the person doing that book knew us from our previous jobs. And, and Claire, my business partner, had been doing as a freelance project, a really wonderful photography art magazine. And that opened the door for other galleries to start noticing our work because we were doing something for someone they knew. Um, and then the first project that I mentioned earlier that we got was a brand for an animation studio, which just showed that we could do bigger projects than an art magazine and books. Uh, and then other people started thinking that's, that, that we could do that too. So I think what my advice is, is try to build, whether it's through getting a job at a design studio or doing non-for-profit work, even if it's painful for clients that have some sort of name and that other people will, um, will appreciate. That's the only way that we started getting work. And it was still a struggle. Even with that, people would look at us and say, you're just two people. You're kind of like, we stay still so as, as freelancers. You're not a real branding studio. Who are you? We would lose so many proposals. We will give, and I guess the other advice is don't get discouraged because the first three years, I remember we would never get that bigger job we thought we could get. We kept getting little jobs. We kept having to work 80 hours a week just to pay the bills. Uh, even though some of the projects were interesting and, 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 and we kept getting some recognition for it, it was still a struggle to convince people, but it just happened slowly. It just happened slowly that bigger projects started coming, but it was that. It was having some names behind our portfolio that helped us, you know, really mm -hmm. did. Yes. Mm -hmm. and, and as far as like getting into that space and like the creative space and working with people, how do you keep work? that's still interesting and like that's still like experimental because one thing I'm starting to notice too where I'm trying to figure out and decide am I like an artist or a designer in a sense where like I'm trying it's like I separate the two saying like you know art is like my creativity I like to do creative things but then it's like design is very strategic mathematical but it's like it's for the client and I'm trying to figure out a way where I can incorporate the two where it's something that's you know something that I could still experiment with and have fun, but it's not something where, you know, I have to just follow by everything that's on this brief and not think about like my fun, creative sense of style or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I hear exactly what you say. When I worked at Concrete, they used to think design is design and art is separate and you don't mix the two of them. And we are designers and we shouldn't be artists. Uh, and they had this like strict idea about it. And then I moved to London and I noticed that designers were doing art and they just didn't care about that line. They kind of blurred it. And, and there were designers having art exhibitions and but still doing their commercial work. Um, came back to Toronto and I still saw that like very clear divide here in Toronto. So the first few years that we did Underline, the only way we found that fun was through doing art related projects. So we would do that photography magazine. We would do branding for museums and, and work with artists. We became friends with some artists and we would do their catalogs. And we felt that like a real expression of our creativity that kind of balanced some of the more corporate work. But as time went on, I realized that, wait a minute, like some designers are doing their own art. So why don't I do my own personal work? Um, so a few years ago, I just started doing my own personal work and, and and some of it is posters, some of it is kind of pointless, but it doesn't, and some of it has been publications for some social justice causes that have to do with Central America, um, but it doesn't matter. It's like really, I have found that to me, that's some of the most meaningful work uh, that I've done in the last few years. And I really, I really get a lot of, uh, well, 
I get a lot of energy from that, but I also get a lot of meaning from that and it feeds into the other work I do. Um, so the commercial work, I still enjoy it. Uh, some of it is not enjoyable because the clients are difficult or the clients are whatever, uh, but some of it is still very enjoyable. Like we still do some really wonderful book design or some brands that are great to work on. But again, it's just keeping, I guess, if I'm answering your question correctly, it's about finding what work gives meaning to you at whatever stage of your career is in. Like I said, a few years ago, it was doing work for artists. At this point, it's doing that personal work, um, but still not thinking that my nine to five job is boring and dreadful and it's only with the personal work I'm going to have fun, still finding some meaning in the other work too. Um, so that's, I guess, I guess that's where it's at. You know, artists to me, it could be a poster with just some simple minimalist typography if if you think it carries meaning beyond just commercial interest. Um, you know, if if you think it has some purpose deeper than than just selling something or making people go to an exhibition, I think that to me becomes just to me that's art already. Mm-hmm. And you know what, that I, I think that's really true too. Cause like, I've been talking with a few creatives and I just, I've been wanting to ask that question with a lot of creatives just because it's like, I don't want to have to separate my creativity, my fun stuff to the commercial artwork that I, you know, that I do for people. And mm-hmm. I'm trying to also decide to like, um, it's kind of like, do I want to work with brands or do I want brands to work with me? It's kind of like, you right. know, do they want to hire me for my artwork or do you know they need do they need um design work or brand work and do I need to do that but I kind of like say to myself why can't I do both you know I'm I'm such like a I'm I I don't know I like to consider myself like a multidisciplinary designer because it's so hard Mm -hmm. for me to choose something um but I like to have fun with my artwork and I like to show and express my creativity and my myself or my personality in it so that's why you know I ask these questions (laughs) yes no and I think it's so important because going back to what I said about people maybe it was the 90s or whatever, but designers thinking that designers, and I hear it still with some designers here in Toronto, designers are only designers. I just think that's so limiting. And it's just so like, how can you just be a commercial designer? Like how? Like, I don't get it. I just, I really do not get it. Like you need to express. I guess when you don't have anything to express, maybe you can just function in that level. Um, but if you have personal experiences, you want to express whatever those are, then like, you can't just function at that commercial level. Like it really, like it really stifles you. I feel like it really like stifles you, not just as a creative, but as a person too. Yeah. yeah. It's very yeah. like limiting too. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, I wanted to also ask, how is like your work to life balance? Like, you know, like what is like the everyday of a, you know, studio owner? Yeah. Like, well, it's changed so much with the pandemic, obviously. Um, um, but we still try to keep that balance. Um, Claire and I, we we like well. The first three years, we worked so crazy. Uh, but we both were, we both have our own separate families. But at the time, we didn't have kids, so we worked crazy hours. But we realized this is not sustainable. This is crazy. This is not fun. Uh, <laughs> then we each had our own separate families and kids, and we started realizing we want to have time for our kids we can't work like that so we started making sure we only work like regular work hours for the studio and occasionally we have to work late hours for deadlines or press approvals or things like that but normally our normal like weeks are nine to five or five thirty for working for design work for the studio um, and then the rest of the time is personal time and I really do try to disconnect from work uh, on the weekends I don't check my emails I don't check things related to work I really 
like I don't see the point of it because it's not going to solve any problems. So to me, I work and we try to be super efficient and work super hard when we're working so that we can have the evenings and the weekends to spend time with our family. Like it just feels so, so essential and not just for ourselves, but for our work too. Like if you're just working all the time, you burn out, like you totally just burn out. Uh, mind you, some of that time, that personal time, I do some of my personal work, but I don't follow a schedule for that. I just do it whenever the need happens to be there otherwise I just don't do it yes mm -hmm. that's actually good because uh, you know I didn't even realize too like when I you're like in my eyes you're like an adult designer you have like kids like and I didn't even realize that too I'm sitting here like I, I stay up like until like 2 a.m trying to design some for school but I'm just like damn like if I really like want to grow up and like have a you know normal life like how <laughs> would I be able to still do that oh like, I know it's quite a challenge. And the last, the, the biggest mistake I, I tell my wife we've done, so we gave in to my kid's request for a dog and now we have a dog too. And I'm like, I don't, uh, that's really like tip me over. Like, I don't have time for a dog. I really don't have time for that. Like, that's crazy. So yeah, that, that's it. That was the tipping point. Yeah. <laughs> the dog. <laughs> yeah. The dog. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's, but that's, that's crazy though. Cause I didn't even realize that like, um, because some people say too because some people they they a lot of people always talk and they're just like you know it's so hard to like like if you choose to have kids like your career is like with your career as art is just like over but I'm just like no you can still like have a family you could still be like quote-unquote like a normal person <laughs> and have still have a life and still be that you know well-rounded artist like yes but I can't that can be difficult though so I it can be difficult and when the kids are younger we I, I see back our history of underline when it's interesting because Claire had children almost at the same time I had kids. And so our kids were very young at the same time. And I feel that our work over those three, four years when our kids were very young was when it suffered the most. Like uh, I can tell our creativity dipped because we just didn't have the energy and the time. Like it, it's obvious that uh, that's probably the, the driest years of underlying creativity when, when the kids were young. Yes, it's mm -hmm. hard. It's hard. Yes. When you're not sleeping for a few nights in a row and you're exhausted, it's very hard. <laughs> yes, I can only imagine. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So on this podcast, I talk about the struggle of a designer. So kind of hitting like the one mark of like the big question. Um, so what do you struggle with as a creative? You oh, you're asking at the right time because I feel like I'm going through that right now like mm -hmm. it just feels like you hit a point it's strange like sometimes ideas are just coming and you feel like you're full of ideas and energy um, and then you hit a point where it's like nothing is happening like nothing is there and I just had a holiday for two weeks and I thought okay maybe after the holidays I'll come back full of energy and ideas nope it's the same as before <laughs> the holidays it's like dry like it's very strange. So I think what, that's one of the most painful struggles when you feel like you're dry, that you don't get excited by anything you see out there, that everything feels done and, and, and old and, and that nothing is exciting you. Um, because I get a lot from that, just from seeing beautiful design work or seeing beautiful art or photography, I get a lot of energy. But if I don't feel like anything's happening out there, then I feel the same with my work. Um, so that would be one of my main struggles. I also struggle, but the other main struggle I have is struggling with the admin work of a designer. You know, like we have a studio manager and, and she handles a lot of the, the proposals and things, but we still have to do so much of it. We still have to email clients. We still have to um, review schedules. We still have to oversee what designers are doing. And that takes up 
so much of my time usually like even just answering emails sometimes takes half my day you know like that I struggle with because I just want to do design work really like I got into this because I want to be doing beautiful typography and, and 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 all that stuff that's fun to do so you know at the same time when I'm out of ideas maybe it's good to be doing online work because that's all I can do right now so <laughs> so it's a it's a double struggle that I go with that. Uh, um, so you know uh, I think all of us go through that uh, and I just you always hope that when you're in one of those dry spells that it won't last too long that's it yeah I feel like I go through I go through both of them damn things <laughs> especially with like with come when it comes to coming up with new ideas it's crazy because it's like I'll come up with ideas at the wrong time or just at a random time like what I try to do is like keep like a notebook but the, my problem now is that I have like eight different notebooks and they're all just filled with stuff and I'm just like it's not organized no more I feel like some are just really like made me more of a mess as far as organization because when it was school I was like okay this book is for this and this book is for that and then I was like okay I'm drawing in all these books (laughs) and I have all these ideas and then it's like you get to the computer or you get to like start you know start actually doing the idea and you're like I have nothing like right now and then I try to make something up or create something and it's just like what is going on or especially with like client work too it's like I'll be so like right now I'm like so eager to get a client right and then once I get it I'm like I'm not like I'm not like inspired I'm just like oh like how am I gonna do this or how am I gonna go about this and I don't know but after talking to a few creatives like I'm starting to notice we all go through that that's kind of why I like that's why I like this podcast because it's like we can all relate to all this and it's kind of normal it's nice to talk to other people because you realize and it's also really nice to work with people I realize that um we're a small team but uh you know like Claire and I have been working together for 16 years so we can share those struggles and then you don't feel so alone in in your struggle Um, and then when you're really going through that then you hope the other person isn't going through that so the the other person can you know the other designers can keep like producing the work you can do at the time so it's really nice to talk to other people or to work with other people so you don't feel alone when you're going through that for sure yes Yes. you know what? Yeah. I kind of want to also jump on that too as far as like working with other people because see me like I do everything by myself and it's so hard to like because I don't know what you know the what life has in store for me as far as like as I move forward my career like if I mm-hmm. wanted to grow my studio like how would you um well not how would you hire people but how do you go about hiring people or like finding the right person to work with because it's like me myself I know that like I can do this but um I can't like I, I I'm trying to figure out like how would I choose that person or like what would be the qualities of that right person to work with right well if you were to look for a design partner the best thing is someone who shares your aesthetics uh like almost 100 percent um we Claire we share our design preferences almost entirely so when we look at things we kind of both like the same things so that means that when I'm doing something and I ask her to review it almost like almost always whatever she tells me to improve it with I agree with because I think it is making it better and it goes the other way like whenever she shows me something and I give her my opinion um, she agrees with it because we both kind of like make our work better because we have very similar interests aesthetically so that to me is like the first the must like if we had very different aesthetic preferences it would be such a struggle because i'd be trying to do minimal clean work and she'd be wanting something different and that wouldn't work so Mm -hmm. to me that's the first thing 
Um, and then I guess other things that are important too is that you kind of have similar goals to for your studio. Like we both don't want it to be a big corporate studio. We want it to be a small studio that does interesting work. And we both are 100%, uh, you know, we're willing to get paid less to do that kind of work. So again, if one of us just wanted to make money doing this, it wouldn't work out because we'd always be fighting. We'd be trying to bring like crappy work that for a soap company or something just to make money while the other one we want to be doing like an art project. So that wouldn't work. So I guess it's a combination of that, like similar aesthetic interests, but also similar like business goals. Uh, because I could not imagine doing this fighting with someone about like what our goals are. That would be crazy. And then when it comes to hiring people, it's basically the same practice. We hire people who like the studio's work, which means they have a similar aesthetic preference. And that also have that same interest of doing like interesting work rather than big brands. You know, sometimes we get to do some bigger brands, but people who work with us usually are more interested in just doing beautiful work. And they have a similar aesthetic for it, like minimalist, kind of modernist type of work. Um, and we sometimes we've made the mistake of not hiring those type of designers. And it doesn't work because they're frustrated. They want to be doing something different. They're pushing for us to do something different. And we're not going to do that. We're not going to change our aesthetic because we've hired someone who doesn't like our aesthetic. This is our studio and that's what we're going with it, right? So, and I would imagine it would be the same for you. If you like some type of work and someone came and wanted you to change it, you're just not going to do it. You might want to experiment once in a while, but you're not going to change your whole aesthetic for someone new. So, yeah, that's true. And yeah. I think that's actually good, too, because I've been trying to me myself. I've been trying to find like studios and stuff to work with just mm -hmm. because as a young person, I want to get an internship or just, you know, have the I want to I still do two different things. I do like freelance and business on my, what my side for me. But then I mm -hmm. also want to work in like the creative space with the studio just to see how it's run. And what I've been noticing is that I've been trying to actually do the work and actually read the description, go uh -huh. in depth of the company, like do more research just because I'll apply to certain jobs and I'm thinking, oh, it's fine. Like it, I have, I meet the requirements or I meet the qualifications and that itself is just hard. But then it's like you either get into the job or you like, you start talking with them and you're like, mm, this isn't for me. And I'm starting to notice mm. the importance of like having my workspace, like just it comes with standards, like having my workspace and having the people I work with meet the standards of what I'm trying to achieve. Yes. Just because this summer, like I had an internship and it's just like, and it wasn't bad. It's just, I, I, I didn't get a response. Like if I sent something and I felt like, I needed that like okay like okay, let's work on this project now so whenever I sent something I'm just is that it because I didn't get a response back so I'm just like is it done so that but then it's also kind of like fulfillment I have I didn't feel like I was you know doing something that was worth something and I'm right. starting to notice that like fulfillment and you know doing something for someone and creativity is more than just like you know, you got to think about it. Is it fulfilling to you? You still got to think about the work you're creating and like, do you feel like you have purpose? And I felt like, you know, I didn't have purpose. So now trying to, you know, go back around, find like a right job for me. It's just like, it's been difficult, but I'm starting to notice the importance of like finding the qualities that I want to work with. Yeah. And I guess it's, it's so important because when I got uh, the jobs that I really enjoyed, I really loved what this, those studios were doing at the time. I was just like, I'm absolutely love of their work. I just wanted to be part of that work. Um, and then I was lucky that most, most of those places, 
people that were working there were nice too. So it's a combination. You also want to work for nice people. I have worked for not nice people and that's just painful. Uh, you know, they could be doing the most beautiful work in the world, but if they're not nice, it's just not enjoyable. So having that combination of, you know, finding a place that does work that you love. I think that to me is the first, the first quality. If you see what work they're doing and you love it, like you just want to be doing that work, that's it. Like you, you probably have found the right place. And if in addition to that, they're nice people to work with, like they don't have to be your best friends, but if they're nice enough, they're nice people to be, spend time with, then I think it's a, it's a great combination. You can't really ask for more. Um, because when you like someone's work, it's not just aesthetics, but maybe you also like what kind of projects they're doing, what kind of companies they're working for. So as long as they're not lying in their digital presence and they are putting out most of the work they do and you go there and you, you're, you're being part of that work, um, I think that's, that's enough. And, and also remembering that when you're a junior designer, you will probably not be doing the most exciting work at the beginning because you have to be trained and you have to learn but as long as you're part of that team and you're being asked to help um i think that's a great experience and as you grow then you start taking ownership of those projects and um my advice has always been to people to try to find a studio like that that they love the work and they like the people and spend a few years there because some people don't need to go through that and they they jump into their own practice sooner um but I, I enjoyed that experience so much that I, 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 I advise it to other people because I just think it's, you get to meet other great people, other great designers who, who think like you, like that's how I ended up meeting my business partner. And I also met other, like I met in London, I met a lot of amazing designers who worked at Pentagram who I'm still friends with and they have their own studios in Spain, in London. So I, I kind of built a really nice network of really cool, amazing people that I can, you know, like relate to and, and so it's just like I got so much out of that experience, you know, but uh, but it's hard. Like I said, my first job was not that. My first job for the first three years of my career was dreadful. The people were nice, but the work was boring. The projects mm -hmm. we were doing was dreadful. So so it took me a while to get there. So I guess maybe that made it even more enjoyable because I knew what it was like to not have that. And when I had it, I was just so thankful for it, you know. Yeah, I think so. that's true. And, and I, that's what I'm saying. I feel like I'm not like I'm missing something, but I want to have that like experience where it's like connecting with other, you know, studio designers and seeing how that work is. Because mm -hmm. it's like when you jump into your own practice, it's like, and I'm happy you said that because it's like I'm struggling. Like, I'm not saying I don't want to say I'm struggling, but I'm saying like, you know, it's hard to find clients. It's hard to do this. And it's hard to like manage all these things, even admin stuff, like you said, like proposals, contracts and figuring all this stuff out it's like really hard and that's why I'm kind of like okay I still want to you know figure this out but I also want to like work with other people and see how they figure it out um but I'm happy you said that because it's like you have to trust the process and trust the mm -hmm. struggle of what you go through so thank you for that <laughs> yeah and you know that I think too that I got a lot from learning from other people and this was like a revelation to me like I would show them something and I thought okay this looks pretty good I'm pretty happy with it and they look at it and they say, why don't you try this? Try that. They would mark it up. And, and then I would go away and I'd be like, oh, I'm not sure. And I would try it and it would look so much better. And I'd be like, oh my God, they're so right. Uh, and that's what I mean about learning from great designers. And then I would be even happier with my work because they made it better. And I could see how they made it better. And that's how I just learned and grew as a designer. And, uh, uh, and then I remember being a pentagram. And I thought by then I had worked at a great studio in Toronto. I'm pretty good. And I showed the first layouts for a magazine we were doing to the creative director. And 
he just changed everything. And I was like, my ego was destroyed. And I felt like, I felt like crap. But then I, I saw how much better he got by all those advices he was giving me. And again, I was like, oh my God, I thought I knew and I'm still learning so much. So as long as I felt like I was learning from other people, I was so happy to be in that environment. It's when I stopped feeling like I was learning that I realized I can't do this. I have to do my own thing. But if you find the right studio and if you find the right team to work with and you feel like you're growing as a designer, you're just going to want to stay there because you're going to be so happy to be in that environment. And, and then every, like every month, you're going to see how your work gets better and better. And then you're just going to be like, oh, this is great. This, mm-hmm. is, this is a really amazing thing. It's just so nice to see your work get better. That's to me, that was so, so enjoyable, you know, to see how when I work for those people, my work got better and better. And, that's uh, that's yeah. true. Yeah. And yeah, I feel like we don't give ourselves like the credit that it's due. It's like, we're so focused on, oh my gosh, this work is not good or da, 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 da. But then it's like, when you look back and you're like, you know what, like I've done a lot of things and like mm-hmm. progress is so amazing to see in the growth. It's, it's really nice to see the progress. Uh, and then I also think, you know, design school teaches you certain things, but I, I do believe this about almost every discipline is not in creative discipline is by doing the work that you learn, but doing it with a mentor, right? To me, that's what working with other people is about. You're kind of being mentored by, by, by your creative directors and you're really, because you're doing real life projects for like a client, uh, whether that's a book or, or a brand. And you're learning as you're doing it and you're being mentored by it. I feel like that's where you really grow as a graphic designer. That's where you really grow as a creative when you're being mentored by, by like in the old days, it would have been called the master, you know, mm. uh, that the person that really mentors you and teaches you the tricks of the trade. Cause it is like a trade, this thing, you know, it's like a trade where you're learning how to chisel the details and how to make the details shine. You know, like if we were been a, if we would have been, like painters in the in the renaissance we would have been learning from those masters how to apply the colors and the canvas or how to chisel the stone but it's in those details that you make the work go from good to great and that's what you learn by working with uh, really good people you know like um so to me that's just it's just so fundamental to the experience of being a designer you know mm-hmm. and how would you say like how could one go about like finding the right mentor for them I going back to that idea of like finding studios that do work that you love, you know, and then trying to get a job there. And then um, when I remember when I, when I, my now wife, we were dating at the time, she wanted to go to London and I thought, okay, if I get a job, I really like, because I had a job I liked here, I'll go. And I discovered the work of this uh, Spanish designer um, that was a pentagram at the time. And I just loved everything he did. Uh, I wanted to do that kind of work. So I, 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 I had read articles about his work. I had seen works, the work that he was doing. So I'd send a promo piece to him and I said, I really want to work for you. And I was lucky enough to get the job. So it's like, I think, how do you go about it? It's finding the studios you love and then showing that you really love their work in whatever way you can do it that's different and creative. I, I, back then I would send print the promos. You can send a digital promo. And, and I'd send it to many places and some of them won't answer. Some of them will say, we're, we're not hiring things for to contact. But if you like the work of, let's say, of 10 design studios that you really admire and you send a specific personalized promo to the 10 of them and three or four reply and they're not hiring, but they keep you in mind. And then 
maybe later on you will get in there. That's the process. That's the only way of doing it. Uh, like the way I got the job at Concrete, I did the same thing. I love what they were doing, the work they were doing. So I sent a promo. I didn't hear back from them for six months. But six months later, they called me and they said, we're hiring, you want to come for an interview? I went for the interview and a day later I had the job. Like, it's crazy. Like, it just happens, you know. But I think all these studios saw my genuine passion for the work they were doing. I think that was key. And we've seen it with people who applied to us. We see when they, when they love the work we do and we can tell that they really want to be part of our team. Like, we can feel it, you know. Like, it's, it's, it's very obvious. Mm-hmm. And what do you like put in a promo? Like, do you put like your work, your portfolio, or do you send like examples? Like, well, no. yeah, in the promos I used to do, because I haven't had to look for a job in 16 years, but in the promos I used to do, <laughs> I would put my work uh, and I would make them personal. Like, I remember when I did the one for London, I, I, I talked about like being an immigrant in Canada and I was moving to London and I was going to be an immigrant there. Um, and my experience about being an immigrant and moving to places for, so I, I put, you know, some personal touches to it and I talked about it and I made it interesting graphically and just showcased my work to that and then at the end of the promo it shows samples of the work I was doing here in Toronto so you can do that you can make it a little personalized uh, but the key thing is to to show that you know the work they're doing and to show your work and and if it matches kind of like the study that they're doing they will pay attention yes mm, okay yeah. I'm like taking notes and like <laughs> write something personal <laughs> but no I am taking notes because like I think that is true like connecting with people one-on-one is very strong and even that like even if they don't get back to you eventually somebody someone might and as long as like you have those personal touches that's what makes you stand out so I'm gonna take a note of that I think so like uh, when I uh, one of the other places I applied in London was uh, Frost Design so Vince Frost is now in Australia he's a very well-known designer but I knew he was Canadian and he lived in London so he like access the promo, part of it because I was explaining that I was an immigrant, a Canadian, like a Salvadoran Canadian immigrant in London. So he met with me and he wasn't hiring, but he still was super nice, met with me and he gave me uh, contacts for like five other studios I hadn't heard of in London and their e- personal emails to contact them. So, you know, you start building those connections just by making those personal connections. They, people, you, you'll be amazed how nice people can be once you make those personal connections. Uh, and then the networks were from there. There's another good friend of mine who I worked with at Concrete uh, and he wanted to move to New York. So a few years ago, he applied to a bunch of places. Uh, but one of those places, I can't remember which one told him, well, we're not hiring, but the New York Times Magazine is hiring. And I know someone there. So gave him the contact info, applied there to that contact and got the job and ended up working at the New York Times Magazine for five years as a designer and then design director. So, you know, just those connections that you end up making, you never know where they're going to take you as long as you make those personal connections with people. Mm-hmm. Yes. Even like this call. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. Because <laughs> that's what I was saying. Um, I, I found you on the directory Um, for the, I think it was the... I can't remember which directory. I think but, it's um, the Latinx directory, something like about Latinx yeah. uh, designers. Yes. yes yeah, yes, that yes. one. Yeah, because yeah. there's two of them that I that I was going through, but I think the one with the Latinx directory, the yellow one, I think that was the That's one. That's the one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I made a dedication to myself to contact all these designers just because growing up, like, you know, like, so I'm biracial, like, and mm-hmm. growing up, I didn't have a lot of, I didn't see a lot of the representation of designers who were, you know, people of color and, after going through these directories, I was so excited. I'm like, this is the best thing in the world. I'm like, this is all the designers I've been wanting to talk to like forever, right? So 
that's why I've kind of like made a dedication to like contact every single designer <laughs> and I'm kind of like booked now because I'm just like all right I'm talking to everybody like every day now but <laughs> but it's but it's still fun like it's fun to like and the one thing I've noticed too like creatives I'm not not everyone's a nice person I'm very cautious yes, but it's like yeah. cre creatives are really like open and willing to talk like some people are like but they're willing to talk because they know you come from a place of heart and like I feel like being a creative in the industry it's like we go through certain things that most people don't understand like, mm -hmm. into this podcast but um but that's why I like connecting with other people even if it doesn't like take me somewhere I think having that connection just in general is like just good to have yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, and definitely. And what you're talking about is interesting that of representation because when I was becoming a designer in the '90s, like there was there was no representation. Like the only like Latinx designers I could find were dead, or like they were like Cuban designers from the '60s. Like there was nothing. Yes. There was nothing. <laughs> so it was so. I think because my parents were such ambitious people. I had self-belief, but otherwise I don't think like they were very encouraging and they were so committed, my parents, to try to like, you know, I, like because I tried to look back and think, how did I be how did I think I could become a designer? Mm -hmm. Like how blind was I when there was really no representation? Like like all the designers in Canada, they were all white uh, white. And everywhere I looked, they were all like European, Eurocentric. So um the the Spanish designer I found was the closest that I wanted to work with in, in London was the closest I could find to someone that I could like sort of relate to that I wanted to work for but um it it, it things have changed thankfully uh not enough but somewhat in the last 15 years or so where you see now some representation and I think that's like it's so encouraging because wow like it's, it's really 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 needed like it's really like I, I'd much rather be a design student now than 25 years ago for sure yes, yes. <laughs> like yes because yes, it's yes. like before that's the thing too like if i if i couldn't see the representation when i was just started out and this is like a couple years ago yeah i cannot imagine how it was <laughs> even then like before and it's oh, like oh yes oh yes yeah it's crazy yeah yeah that is insane yeah. but yeah so um so i'm gonna be wrapping up this podcast um is there any advice that you would like to give for any like you know young designers who are struggling with this same issue or you know just starting out anything you'd like to provide <laughs> well since we're talking about representation and all this i think i think the, the the nicest advice i like to give and i wish i would have given this advice more when i was younger is just it, it sounds kind of cheesy but i hope it doesn't it's like to try to straight through to you who you really are um, because i feel like and I, I've seen this in some designers talking about it now, some older designers of, of, of color, uh, that when you're younger, you want to fit in. And the design profession is so monolithic, you know, like a very Eurocentric and all that, that when you're trying to fit in, you kind of forget who you are to fit into the design industry and you start acting like you shouldn't act because you're acting trying to fit in. Um, and then I, I kind of snapped out of it because I was being guilty of that and I realized no I want to be who I am uh, I am a Salvadorian immigrant and I am this and I I have experiences that other people didn't have and that it's like embracing that um, it's so important and embracing it's just much more enjoyable to be that kind of creative that embraces who you truly are whatever that is um, so I hope it doesn't sound cheesy but to me that's that's key 
uh, to being a, a creative, to, to, to be truer to, to everything that you're about. Uh, and I guess finding that out is important too, because you can get lost in the, in the commercial world, world of design. You can get lost in knowing who you are because you're so caught up with like responding to client briefs and all that. And I think it's just so key to stay true to that. Mm, I like that. Staying true to yourself because yeah. the truth will set you free. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But no, I like that advice though. So, okay. Okay, all right. Cool. <laughs> I'm going to be wrapping up this podcast. Um, hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Listen to the next podcast and always remember to do what your art desires. <laughs>